Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of youth and families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. All right, Gage, here we are in season four, talking about ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. What is the church? Why does it matter? Uh, there's so many um, problematic there's so many heresies and just problematic practices that we see and beliefs that we see among our Christian brothers and sisters that if you if you uh, followed that thread all the way out and try to trace down why they think what they think, why they're doing what they're doing, it almost always can can be chalked up to a a an an anemic understanding of what the church is, why it exists, what it's what is it supposed to do? And more importantly, what's it not supposed to do? Uh, is is it supposed to do any good thing it can possibly think of, right? Or or does it have a, a particular mission that makes it unique? But before we get into that, uh, who's our sponsor, Gage? Well, we're excited to announce, as we had before, that we are now officially sponsored by Logos Bible Software. Logos Bible Software is a, a great tool for anybody. It doesn't have to be a pastor or a teacher. It can just be um, any person that wants to understand their Bible better, wants to uh, gather resources to study theology. Uh, it's available um, as simply as an app that you can download either for, for Android or Apple, or, or you can go ahead and invest um, in the software through logos.com. Um, and uh, right now, if you will go to assuranceofpardon.com slash logos, you'll notice a couple of things. Uh, we've got a few discounts for you. There's a pop-up that that'll happen that gives you 15% off of Logos 9 plus five free books. So that's the pop-up that that happens right there uh, on that landing page with assuranceofpardon.com slash Logos. Uh, and then as you get into the landing page there and learn a little more about, about what Logos is and what it has to offer, you can go ahead and click on that link and it'll take you straight to the Logos website uh, so you can learn more. So be sure and check that out. Uh, we'd love for you to learn more about that and be on the lookout uh, over the next several weeks. Um, Scott and I will be working on some tutorials, uh, some YouTube videos that we'll be posting on, on our social media pages and website to help you understand different features about Logos, how to use it, and kind of help with the basics uh, so you can uh, in enjoy it fully. Yeah, one of my favorite features, uh, we try to think of a favorite feature in Logos Bible software. And again, it's a software tool that Gage and I use every single day uh, for some aspect of our study and sermon prep is the visual copy feature. If I've got a, if I'm preaching on a, a passage um, and there's a, maybe a key, a key phrase in that passage, you know, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, right? I can, I can highlight that and right click on that and hit visual copy and I can make a, a, a really quick sort of meme that I can share to our church's social media uh, functions with various backgrounds and stuff like that. And it's a really, it's a really 
really nice way to uh, raise our game as far as in our communications and our social media communications to let folks know about what the sermon series is on or what the sermon was about or is going to be about. It's a really, really neat feature. Uh, check out Logos Bible Software. Visit assuranceofpardon.com slash Logos. Gage, what are we talking about today? So as we continue our ecclesiology series, the doctrine of the church, um, uh, let's wrestle with this question today. Um, what are the issues, Scott, with the phrase being the church? So let me set, set this up for you, what I mean. Um, you'll hear a lot of times in, in church that well, we, we can't just be a church, you know, can't just go to church. We need to be the church, right? As if there's a contrast between what we're doing on Sunday mm-hmm. and going out here in the world during the week and quote unquote being the church. And, and to be fair, as, as we have every time that we've kind of, um, criticized or, or shown the holes or the inconsistencies of evangelicalism. The intent is a lot of times with people, at least at, at their intention, their hope, their heart is, you know, they want to be the hands and feet of Christ, right? They want to, they want to be able to show as James talks about that their faith isn't dead, that it's not just talk, that it's not just something empty that it actually has an impact on how they live their lives. The problem is that's not where it goes, where it, where it often goes, Scott, and, and I want to hear your thoughts and feedback here, where it often tends to go with this idea that we're going to get into today about being the church is as if it's as if what's happening on Sunday is a dress rehearsal. That's right. That it, do, that it doesn't matter. Um, that it is um, just something that we're doing, that the real churchness, right? The real items of the church, the real actions of the church, the real life of the church is what's happening out there. And and there are some people that will even measure um, your authenticity as a church, whether or not they like you, whether or not they'll come be a member by, well, or, you know, what are you being the church? What's that look like? So talk a little bit about that, Scott. Yeah, there's a there's a very uh, uh, significant need to downplay what happens on Sunday morning. That really what matter because we're so fearful of false converts, and and we you know obviously we we don't want people in our pews who are not truly regenerated. We don't want people in our we don't want people on our membership roles who don't actually love Jesus. So there's this this focus on what what really matters is what happens Monday through Saturday. Yes, Sunday is just a dress rehearsal, but after this we're going to go out into the community and 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 be the church. Uh, and I, I, Gage, I guarantee you, everybody has heard this before. Um, they've they've heard this. A, a buddy of mine was in a church um, that was a, a pretty contemporary church uh, that, and across the street from the church was like a public park, and uh, also across the street from the church was like a college. And one Sunday they all get to church, and the pastor says, "Hey, everybody, next week we're not going to have church. We're next week we're going to be the church," as if to say. When we gather for prayer, singing of hymns and spiritual songs, fellowship, and to hear the word preached, that's not being the church. 
That's the that's the the problem with this is that those things aren't really what the church does. The church is marked by something other than the word rightly preached, the sacraments rightly administered, and church discipline practiced. And so they said next week, instead of coming to church, we're going to go across the street to the park and we're going to grill burgers and hot dogs and just love on the college kids. And in that way, we're going to go be the church. And again, that suggests that we're not being the church when we gather and do those things right. specifically that we've been called to do. And so it it turns and and if by the way if that means if 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 when we go across the the street and we wash cars or we rake leaves or we do uh, any number of very kind things to do, give give food out, if if that's what it means to be the church well, then we have to say, then that's what it means to be a Christian, right? It's not, right. it's right. Because I mean, the, the, if the church is a gathering of Christians, then we're saying, here's how you be a Christian. You grill hot dogs and you, and, and burgers, and you give that out, or you rake leaves. And then you've taken this faith and in, made it into a, a meritorious work. And so mm -hmm. it's really, really a dangerous um trend to do that another one i'll bring up um and shout out to um uh, I, this was brought to my attention by the uh the ringside podcast produced by 1517 there's a uh there's a sign many of our listeners have at, at their churches and this is going to sound like we're being extra snarky there's a sign many of our listeners have in the parking lot of their church as they are pulling out of the parking lot onto the street and the sign that the members see as they leave their church is a sign that says you are now entering the mission field, right? And obviously the heart behind that is very good because it's, it's reminding people, Hey, go out into the world and love and serve your neighbor. Mm -hmm. But what, you know, the problem with that is it, is it seems to suggest that when we're here under the roof of this church <laughs> gathered together, God's not at work, right? God's, God's not on mission. God's not doing things uh, important. The real, the real thing happens out from under this roof. Right. And, and no wonder after decades and decades of this, no wonder people eventually just say, I don't need to go to church. I'll just love my neighbor. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, <laughs> if the spirit is not at work and if God is not gathered with his people, when we gather together to worship him, we're wasting our time. Right. Mm, like right. I might, I might as well golf 18 holes on a Sunday and watch football and grill out with my family and not do this. If it means that God is not there point right. blank period. Right. That's right. But it but it's because we believe just like when God called his people out of slavery and into the wilderness, he did so through the mouth of Moses to tell them, I'm gathering a people for myself to worship me. We think in the in the Lord's day, in the gathering of the saints, not that somehow magically um, the spirit is inside the the brick and the mortars, but he's but he's not active anywhere in life. But we do think that is something special is happening on Sunday, that something significant is taking place. That when the the gathering of the saints happen, there is a unique grace that is special, significant, 
and I would even argue at times more important mm-hmm. than than other things happening in Christian life, right? And and that when we um, gather for the word, for the prayers, and for the sacraments, that that we believe with all of our heart, as God has promised, that the Spirit is there. That that when we open the book and we preach, thus says the Lord, that we're literally delivering the very words of God to people, and that that is something special, and that is something sacred. So when you draw a hard line, then, and say, well, that's church as you defined it, we're going to go out here and be the church, you then are looking at the gathering of the saints and going, yeah, maybe the Spirit's not there. Maybe that's not as sacred as we make it out to be. Maybe that's not really important at all. And I would argue you're actually violating the scriptures because the the Lord is very clear about the Sabbath. The Lord is very clear in passages like Hebrews that we're not to neglect together the gathering, right? That we're, we're not supposed to act like something isn't happening, that we are supposed to treat the Lord's day as special and different. While we, we have, you know, the practices we have of stopping our labors, focusing on the Lord, doing our best to set this day aside for our family to read scripture together, to spend time together. Not that we're wanting to be legalist, not not that we're saying you can't go have fun with your kids or go out to eat or or any of those things that sometimes people that are quote unquote Sabbatarians will pendulum swing into. But we do think at the end of the day that this day, it's not like the other six, right? It is special and it's significant for a reason. And so what happens then when the saints gather is special and significant for a reason. And I, and I think too, you mentioned that you kind of alluded to this. This is under the same vein as I don't really have to go to church. I have my Bible. Yeah. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. I've got a personal savior. You know, he walks with me, he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And as Michael Horton joked, none other in the history of the 2000 years of Christian history has ever known the relationship. But here's the thing, that sort of line of thinking has led us to some of the issues that pastors are dealing with now in the pandemic, where we're having to beg and plead saints to come back and gather because at the end of the day, they've gotten so comfortable with this idea of, well, I can just kind of watch on screen um, and I can distance myself that they start to kind of justify they're not making the decision for health reasons. They're not making right. the decision because they legitimately have um, a compromised and, immune system. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, but it's that, well, I mean, I've just gotten so used to this. Do I really need the church mm. to be a Christian? Do I really have to do this? Cause here's the deal at the end of the day, Loving on college students is great. Caring for your neighbors is a fantastic thing. But when you confuse the fruits of the gospel or the, the, the works for your neighbor that the church has given and that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in with the actual marks of the church and with, with the proclamation of the gospel, you then have to ask the question, what is the difference between 
Hope Church Hot Springs or First Presbyterian Dyersburg and the local Kiwanis Club. Yep, the Rotary or, Club. Or Rotary. And I'm a I'm a Rotarian, right? Like, or what's the difference between my neighbor who is an atheist, but he believes in charity and giving to charity and, and going and, you know, uh, doctors without borders or whatever. What now is the difference between me and him? And how do I have any basis to tell him, Hey, if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, you will go to hell. Yeah. At the end of the day, if being church is just the, the charity work that I do out here on Monday through Friday, then I have no basis of proclaiming any sort of truth or hope in a salvation that's different than his. In that case, Oprah will be, be right. And we don't believe that at all. Yeah. The church, the church should be the broadcaster and caretaker of a message that I can't get from the Rotary club or, or the boy scouts or doctors without borders or, uh, uh, or fill in the blank, any other benevolence organization. But when we, when we make the church, just a benevolence organization, or we, or we even overweigh it in some sort of way, uh, and downplay the the preached word, the proclamation of the gospel, and the and the, the the gathering of the saints, the singing of songs, the praying, the receiving and assurance of our pardon, uh, and administering the, the Lord's supper. When we downplay that over and over again, and that's been happening in churches for so long, no wonder you know, we're having to beg people. We've uh, ministers have preached themselves out of a job. They've preached mm-hmm. themselves out of a congregation. They've, they've created this problem by downplaying the, the importance and the necessity of the gathered body week after week, um, uh, over and over. And we're seeing the effects of that even in our, our day, right? We, we've got churches in our, in our denominations that are having to close their doors and dissolve because people aren't gathering. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they, they decided that wasn't enough. And here's, here's the deal. Being the church is actually more uh, burdensome and it's a higher task to accept that theology than what the scriptures and God himself is actually calling us to, because at the end of the day, it confuses sanctification and justification. Let me define, find our terms for our listeners, right? Justification is God's declaration of you, your being right before him on account of, or through the credit of Jesus's finished work on your behalf. Right? Mm-hmm, right sanctification then is the process from your moment you become a christian to the moment you die of the spirit like plato molding and making you into a, the image of jesus right and so when you confuse sanctification 
with justification and you start saying things like we've got to we have to live the gospel or we've got to be the church or we've got to be the gospel um you know white horse Inn is, is is spent 30 years trying to kind of beat this into our heads theo cast does a fantastic job also if you ever want to check out those guys of driving this point home when you do this you've now have set a burden higher than god is actually doing because then you have to ask the question at its root when is it enough? How much do I have to be the church? How much do I have to do? And then now we're right back to the core of the Reformation, right? Like either I've got to make do enough penance and say enough prayers and do, do enough sacramental work to, in order to continuously justify myself before God and maintain enough credit to put him in my debt, or it's by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. Amen. It, it's one of those two things. So when you buy into, well, I've got to be the church, you're now forcing yourself into a position of having to say, well, have I done enough? Have I, have I been charitable enough? Have I done enough action? Have I done enough mission work? Have I been, quote unquote, on mission enough? And it becomes an, an enough thing to where, you either fall in one or two categories of self-justification. Either you're going to wear yourself smooth out worrying that you haven't done enough to push this boulder up this hill, or you're going to rest in, well, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a Christian than you are because I'm being the church. So now you're the self-justifier, mm-hmm. right, of pride, and you're no different than the Pharisee in the story with the Pharisee and the tax collector when you go before God and say, thank God I'm not like this sinner. Thank God I'm not like those Christians that all they do is go to church every day or every Sunday. I'm actually out here being the church. And I get that because I used to be that dude, man. Like I used to absolutely – I'm not so I'm not you know, aiming at guys that I, I don't relate to and understand. We absolutely at, at one point in time in, in our walk – there was a group of us that that's how we thought, right? That we were out here doing the work of the church and the brick and mortar than the institution um, had lost their way because they weren't being the church like we were. Yeah. You know, last week we said, what are the three things, what are the, the three marks of the church? And we said they are, the word is rightly preached, the sacraments are rightly administered and church discipline is, is administered. And what we're doing now is we're explaining why pressing in and pushing in and highlighting those three things is so important because when you lose those three things if you take out any of those three things the word preached the sacraments administered church discipline when you take any of those things out it ceases to be a church and it doesn't matter how many other things you can put in there if you take out if you take out the preached word and you plug in a soup kitchen Okay, or you take out church discipline and you plug in a, uh, a a clothing closet, right? So we're not saying churches can't also do these other things, but we're right. saying the danger uh, the danger is is that we're losing our we are losing our way when we think when we think that any of those things any other good thing can take dominance or prominence over those things. A church can decide they're going to do all sorts of, of kind things. And, and I'm speaking to you as a, as a minister whose church 
preaches the gospel at a at a Christian homeless shelter every single month. Um, we've got a, a group. We we make spaghetti and green beans and garlic bread, homemade cookies. Uh, the the men at this homeless shelter come in and hear the gospel proclaimed to them, and then we feed them. We go and sit down and talk to these homeless men in the community, uh, and so it that's. But again, even when we're doing that, we're not being the church, right? We're living, we may be living in light of the gospel. We may be being obedient to the command to care for the least of these, but we're not being the church more than we are when we gather on Sunday morning to worship the triune God together and, and receive the sacraments and hear the word preached. And at the end of the day, um, like you mentioned, Scott, you, you know, in in echoing what what James is essentially saying in in chapter two that that faith without works is dead. What we're not saying is don't do those things. What we're of not course. saying is, is that you shouldn't you should love on college students, right? You you should be a good neighbor. You should care for the poor and the widow and the orphan in their affliction. You should live in a way that evidences that a transformation has happened by the power of the spirit and that you have a new heart and a new spirit within you life should your life should reflect that yes and amen but when that becomes the mark by which you have to measure your justification when you're justifying your position as a christian by how much you be the church you now have created this category that puts the judgment on the individual, right? Because I may think, Scott, that you're not being the church enough. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in the place of deciding whether or not you are a Christian based off of my definition of what being the church looks like, right? And then I'm, you know, I hate this phrase, but it's common to understand. Now I'm being a fruit inspector, Right. Yeah. Like, like now my de definition of Christianity is, isn't taken from the scriptures defined by God who created me to glorify him and enjoy him forever. It's now defined by whatever I think my definition or task is. And here's where, and this is one, one more thing that we need to kind of handle in this topic. This is where we get into um, the, life of the individual Christian versus the responsibility of the corporate church. And here's what I mean. Um, there is a push now that says if a church isn't taking a political stance or isn't fighting a social cause, it's not being a church, right? That's not the job of the corporate institution. The job of the corporate institution is word, prayer, and sacrament, the simple means of grace. That's the job of the church. If you, Scott, an individual, have a conviction to engage in the political world for the good of your neighbor, go for it. Yes and amen. But don't mandate that every that the institution has to address it from the platform or the pulpit. If you are passionate about human trafficking, praise God. Yes and amen. But when we mandate that the church 
as the institution has to adopt whatever I think my cause of, of necessity is, we now have put a weight again on the corporate institution that isn't required. When in reality, that may be the way in which you, the Christian, have decided through conviction, maybe even by the Spirit, that you are exercising the good works which God prepared beforehand that you may walk in. And that distinction matters so much, because if not, we'll start looking at churches and we'll have this criteria by which they've got to check all these boxes or I'm not going to engage with them. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, our, our our friends at our friends at the Theocast have a very helpful book called Faith versus Faithfulness: A, a Primer on Rest. Uh, we would we would implore you to check that out. And that is, am I fixing my hope on an objective thing? What is the object of my faith? Is my is is my assurance and my hope found in objectively that I trust that Jesus is enough? That that the that the life the perfect life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension into heaven, and intercession of Jesus on my behalf. Do I trust that that's enough, or is it my level of faithfulness? So is it the mm-hmm. object of my faith, Christ, or is it the level of my faithfulness? And so um, when we, what the church, when it, when when the church, when she is uh, doing what she's called to do, she's calling people to place their hope objectively in faith in Christ. And all of this talk of outside the walls of the church to go be the church is is putting the is putting the spotlight on our level of faithfulness. And then the question, as you said, you can never know if that's enough. You you can never know if you're saved. You can never know if you're being faithful enough. How many burgers do I serve? How many hot dogs? How many college kids? Right. Right. And and it and it's pours into all sorts of other things where you now start to measure um, the level of the effectiveness of the spirit by how many kids show up to your youth group on Sunday night. Right. Mm-hmm. And you start to measure the, the value of your work as a minister by how many people are showing up on Sunday. And it, it, it just becomes this treadmill of so many uh, unnecessary burdens and weight when in reality, your savior who died for you, whose work was enough tells you, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I come, come to give you life and give it more abundantly. And we as ministers now by the hope of the gospel can tell you friend, Hey, if you want to want to do all do things for the good of your neighbor, praise God, go for it. But at the end of the day, you need to hear you are forgiven. And that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what 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 we want to say to pastors and elders and church leaders is, do you want your congregation to love and serve their community well? Well, then every time you have them gathered together, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to them. This is why Paul says, "Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church." Right. So he points he points them to Christ's love of the church, and so a gospel saturated 
a, a church that's hearing the law of God and the gospel of God preached week after week will result in people who individually scatter out into their communities to, communities to love and serve their neighbor well. Absolutely. I think it's a good place to stop. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, thoughts as we continue our series. If this is brand new to you and you feel like you need to um, dialogue about this and process through this to better understand what we're saying, where we're coming from. Uh, we hope these episodes have been helpful to you. As always, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can visit our website at assuranceofpardon.com. Be sure and check out assuranceofpardon.com slash logos for benefits so you can study on your own uh, and, and dig into the, the text and, and, and articles and, and books of what we're saying. Um, and until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless. God bless.